Switchcraft is brought to you live three times a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern and on Saturday at whatever time I can get to it. Tune in live over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by Joe Amadio. Get Switchcraft and my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Game Boy, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power, portable power. Nintendo says that they plan on boosting their Switch online because they have recently had like this surge in short subscription plans. So if you didn't know, you can get a Nintendo Switch online either for like one month and then I think it goes to three months and then six months and then one year uh, is your options. And they saw a lot of people that didn't seem to be interested in the one-year option. Um, So they were going for the shorter plans while they decided whether or not they were interested in continuing. And I can understand why people might do that. You know, you subscribe to it, and then you decide later if it's something that you are going to use very much. If it turns out that you're not using the stuff very much, then, you know, that's going to make it so that you're probably unlikely to continue. And Nintendo wants people to use the Nintendo Switch Online subscription service. Of course they do. It brings in money every month. That's a consistent revenue stream. And uh, honestly, it's what keeps um, Xbox alive through the lean times when when Xbox isn't selling so well. Like that service, the the incoming money for the service of Xbox Live Gold, like that really helps them out. And I'm sure the same thing is true with PSN. With Nintendo Switch, it's a much lower number because they're charging like a third of the price of the other ones, but they're also not giving us as much. So during uh, the a Q&A, and I kind of talked about this before, but now we have like official translations uh, Mr. Mr. Furukawa, he is the president of Nintendo. He said a growing percentage is now opting for shorter plans like a one month membership. This is uh, from GameIndustry.biz. Uh, he goes on to say it is critical that these members want to continue using the service for a long time rather than letting it expire. And for that, we need to build a relationship with consumers and enrich the content. Uh, With this in mind, we are currently planning ways to boost the appeal of the service on a yearly basis. It is very important to our future business, and we are giving it our all. Uh, That's good to hear, but I, I worry about how Nintendo is planning on doing this. Because there's a couple of different ways that they could. Like, if they wanted to... They could just say, okay, well, now we're going to bring out five Nintendo Entertainment System titles per month. And that's not going to do it. Like, that is not going to convince people to sign up for this. I hate to make blanket statements, but I'm going to do one just for the ease of argument. And I know that there's obviously people out there that this statement will not apply to. And if that's you, feel free to tell me that I'm wrong. But... I think for the most part, people are not interested. Well, that's not true. It's not that people aren't interested. People are not subscribing to Nintendo Switch Online so that they can get the NES games. 
That is not the reason that people are doing that. People are subscribing to Nintendo Switch Online because they want to play online games, and the NES stuff just seems to be like the bonus. For Nintendo, it almost feels like they think that we just want these NES titles and the online is a bonus. At, at least that's the way that it, the, that it feels to me. It's not like Nintendo's ever come out and said this. What I think that they need to do is, first off, they need to broaden the appeal of the, for lack of a better word, virtual console stuff that they're offering. Um, bring us Super Nintendo games. The Super Nintendo library is much better than the NES library. It has some in, uh, unbelievably awesome classic games in it. Bring that to us. But more, much more importantly than anything else is bring modern communication features to your platform. Things like text, like sending a text message through the Switch to a friend. Hey, what are you playing? Um, or, or hey, I sent my Wargroove uh, move two days ago. Are you going to take your turn? Like, if I don't boot up Wargroove, I don't know. Give me notifications that it's my turn in like in the in the switch UI. Give me a, a, a notification that, you know, my friend is looking for people to play with in a certain game. And then when I tap on their tap, when I when I push a button on on that notification, give me the option to join them and get pulled right into the game automatically. Like this is the kind of thing the the barriers to entry that Nintendo needs to worry about. Give us voice. Clearly we know that there's no reason that voice can't work on the Nintendo Switch because it's already in some games, games like Fortnite, and it works just fine there. Give us that access to that. Give us the ability to send an invite to a specific person. When I play on the PS4, like last night, my son and I were playing, was it last night or the night before? I can't remember. Last night or the night before, my son and I were playing Apex Legends on the PS4, which um, I'll probably talk about that on my Run Jump Stomp podcast. So if you haven't checked out that podcast yet, make sure that you subscribe. Uh, but we were playing Apex Legends on the PS4, and all all we did is we went up to our friends list, hit a button, and invited the other person into a party, and then went into the game, and we were all set. Like, it was super easy. Uh, on On Nintendo Switch... Every single game that I play has a different way of inviting somebody, and it's a pain. It's a huge pain. Like, these are the kind of things that are going to make people interested in paying for that yearly subscription. And in my opinion, if you want people to pay for these extended plans, you need to match what the other consoles are doing. And if that means you have to raise the price of Nintendo Switch Online, then do it. I am willing to pay more money to get what I want. $20 a year is great, and I'm going to continue paying $20 a year, but I would pay so much more money. I would play, pay three times that in order to have those same features on the Switch that are enjoyed by people using Xbox and PlayStation. And it's just silly that Nintendo doesn't seem to understand that. So when they say things like, we need to build relationships with consumers to enrich the content. Yeah, I understand, but that's not good enough. 
That is not good enough. What you need to do is bring modern features to your modern console and stop acting like it's 1985 all over again. Anyway, that's just my opinion. I'm sure that there are people out there who think that I'm wrong. And while I think that $20 a year is fair, I just think it could be so much more. And I bet I'm not the only person who's willing to pay for it. Are you? Sonic 2 handles stubborn stains. Embarrassing bald spots, no problem. So GameIndustry.biz has an article talking about Take-Two Interactive and the games that they had this year and how it's going. And they're, you know, they were talking about a bunch of different games. And the one part that really jumped out at me is uh, the fact that they talked about Civilization VI. Uh, Civilization VI came out for the Nintendo Switch this year. or Well, that last year, sorry. And uh, Take-Two Interactive is saying that they were very, very happy with how it performed. In fact, uh, they said it significantly exceeded expectations. Uh, it was one of four games that they released uh, in the, the, the later months of 2018. But I really like that um, uh, that quote there. It significantly exceeded expectations. Now, I have not played Civ Six. Uh, it doesn't have online. At least that's what I had read when it first came out, is that there was no online. I don't know if they added in online later. Uh, part of the great thing about Civ is that it has just that one more turn thing. And you can you can take your turn pretty quickly and then put your Switch away and move on. At least that's how the Civ games have played in the past. I'm going to assume that they still play that way. Civilization VI, a lot of people really like that game. There were also a lot of people that were upset that it didn't have online at launch, and I don't know if it has online now, but the fact that it's performing so well on the Switch means that Take-Two Interactive is is definitely going to be motivated to uh, treat that with respect, to go to the Nintendo Switch version and update it and bring DLC and things like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, they went on to say, we felt good about the platform and we put the titles on the Switch that we felt were going to perform well. We are excited about continuing to support the Switch for the right kind of properties. And this is a very important quote that I think is uh, very, um, well, I don't want to say important again, but the reason that this quote is so important is the way that he phrased it. We were going to continue supporting the Nintendo Switch for the right kind of properties. I love this. I don't want uh, publishers to bring every game to the Nintendo Switch because there are some games that it just doesn't make sense to bring to the Switch. And there are some games that it makes perfect sense to bring to the Switch. And there's some games that it makes perfect sense to only bring to the Switch. And I want developers to not look at just throwing any, like throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, which is the it's the 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 tactics that they have used in the past with Nintendo consoles. You look at the GameCube, you look at the Wii, um you look at the Wii U all three of those ran into this issue, uh, especially the Wii. Um, 
the GameCube didn't do so hot during that generation. So when the Wii came out, a lot of third-party companies said, I think we're going to hold off and see what happens. And then the Wii sold really, really well uh, because Nintendo had found a way to expand the gaming market per their uh, old mantra. Uh, It's not their current mantra, but we talked about that before. And so there were lots and lots and lots of of, um, Wii consoles out there. And developers were like, oh, man, we have got to get our consoles or our video games on that system. So they just started porting anything and everything that they could in order to have a a, a box on the shelf to try and get somebody to buy. And a lot of those things were very, very hasty ports or shovelware or just straight up hot trash. And it made for it, 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 it kind of tarnished the name of the Nintendo Wii, which I, I, I really liked that system. I wasn't a huge fan of the motion controls, but there were a lot of games that I played on the Nintendo Wii that were amazing. Most of them were Nintendo games. The ones that I played from third party companies, for the most part, were kind of terrible. And it was this self fulfilling prophecy where, you know, these third-party companies would throw shovelware at, at the Nintendo system, and then people would say, well, I'm not going to buy that. That's kind of garbage. And then those developers would say, look, see, nobody ever buys third-party stuff on Nintendo platforms. So after the after the lack of sales of third-party titles on the Nintendo pla- or on the Wii, when the Wii U was announced, a lot of the developers said, all right, we're going to put systems out because the Wii was so popular. We're going to put games out on the on the Wii U, but we're not going to do our 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 best. We're just going to put the B teams and C teams on this stuff. Uh it'll be ports of old stuff, uh things that that just aren't up to snuff, and because of that, it did terrible. It really, really did terrible. There was a lot of third-party games at the launch of the Wii U, but it just wasn't that great. Fast forward to the Switch, a lot of these third-party devs, they were feeling burnt by the Wii U, and they said, I'm not going to do anything. So when the Switch launched, a lot of them just said, we're just going to hold off and see what happens. And now they're starting to bring stuff. But what I really fear, now that the Switch is extremely popular, is that we're going to see a lot of games from third-party publishers that are just throwing at the wall and seeing what sticks instead of really putting some thought into it like Take-Two is saying here. Now, I will say this. Take-Two is, you know, they're not doing the best uh, ever on the Switch because I think that they are the ones that did that really, really terrible port of the wrestling game that's like I think that they they're the publisher for some wrestling game that did really bad on the Nintendo Switch like it was it was a it was kind of a trash heap by all accounts um so it's not like they're like the golden standard or anything but I like what he said excited about continuing to support the Switch for the right kind of properties bringing everything over is a mistake because you're going to put a lot of effort into porting these games that are made to go on more powerful systems. You're going to put that, you're going to put the minimum amount of money that you can towards porting that to run on a less powerful system. 
And that's going to be a buggy, chuggy, slow, framey mess. And it's not going to be fun. It's going to get reviewed poorly. And if it's reviewed poorly, people aren't going to buy it. And then the developers are going to say, see, nobody buys third-party stuff on the Nintendo Switch. And again, we're just going to run into that same thing again. But if more companies had that um, quote in mind, I think that we would all be better off, and so would they. So what are the right kind of properties for the Nintendo Switch? I know that, like, Twitter is always, like, uh, they always have, like, Switch when? Like, every time a video game publisher says, hey, look at this cool thing we're making, and then everybody's like, hey, when's that coming to the Switch? And I'm guilty of it, too. But not every game needs to come to the Switch and not every game belongs on the Switch. You want to make sure that it's a it's a game that works with the platform that it's going to be on. And I'm curious as to what games, what types of games do you think work extremely well on the Switch? And what types of games do you think don't work very well on the Switch? Let me know. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Speaking of games being ported to the Nintendo Switch, we've got some uh, a whole bunch of games that are supposedly coming to console. Now, this is uh, an announcement by Skybound. Uh, they are going to be porting the old PC RPG games, uh, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, Icewind Dale, Planescape Tournament, Neverwinter Nights, uh, the 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 um, top-down RPG, not the not the MMO, and Siege of Dragonspear to consoles. Uh, this story is right from Skybound's Games website. Uh, they're teaming up with some company called Beamdog. Uh, I guess maybe Beamdog owns these uh, properties now, which I've never heard of Beamdog before. But these are some really, really good games. These are older games for the PC from like decades ago, but they're really fun. And if you like Dungeons and Dragons, then this is a this is a very good thing. Now, the the one thing that I want to point out is that. Uh, this was said that they're coming to console, but there were, in fact, it says right here, um, these games are iconic, iconic, sorry, including Baldur's Gate, which really set the standards for Dungeons and Dragons role-playing games. 
We are excited to bring Beamdog's incredible slate to new platforms for both dedicated fans and for those who will soon discover these games for the first time. As longtime fans of Baldur's Gate and Dungeons and Dragons, it's fantastic to partner with Beamdog. That's a stupid name, Beamdog. As the newest member of the Skybound family, we are ecstatic to partner with Skybound Games to bring these classics to new platforms. Um, it does not say which platforms, okay? It says more details about what fans can expect with these upcoming console releases, including specific platforms, uh, will be unveiled in the coming months. Now, I, I have seen post after post after post on like all the Nintendo things that I follow of people saying, oh, look at this, Baldur's Gate games are coming to the Nintendo Switch. Nowhere in this uh, article... On Skybound Game site, they're the ones doing it. Nowhere on here does it say that it, they're coming to the Nintendo Switch. They just say consoles. And I just want people to, you know, temper their expectations because there's a good chance that it might not come to the Nintendo Switch. There's also a good chance it might come exclusively to the Nintendo Switch. Like, there's nothing on here that says Nintendo Switch anywhere. So just take this story with a little dose of skepticism because I don't want people to get all excited and then go bananas, which tends to happen far too often on the internet. I don't want people to go crazy if they say that it's coming to Xbox and PS4. It makes sense that they would target those platforms first because those platforms have a much larger install base because those platforms have been around for more years than the Nintendo Switch. So just temper your expectations and let's wait and find out what happens. I will say this. I bought these games when they originally came out on PC. They're fantastic. I bought them again when they came to Steam. Some of them, not all of them. Um, and again, the enhanced editions were really good. But being able to take my adventuring party with me wherever I go, from room to room if I want, like if I want to sit down and play some on the TV in the bedroom, or if I want to play here in the nerd nest, or if I want to go downstairs in the living room and play, I have a dock in each one of those rooms for my Switch, so I can go between those places, and I can play up on the big screen, and that's really cool. The one thing that worries me is I would really like it if they would overhaul the UI, because I don't feel like the UI makes a lot of sense for these games when you're playing on a huge TV screen. Um, there's a lot of really, really small text. Uh, there's a lot of wasted space on the sides. And I would, I, I would personally think it would be best if they would redo the UI that makes more sense for consoles. Um, you know, only time will tell if this is going to happen. But I, I'm hopeful that, that Skybound Games is going to bring these uh, classics to the Switch because, you know, I, I never finished Baldur's Gate. And I would love to play it again. I, I, I always ran into this issue in Baldur's Gate where I would get so far in the campaign and then get distracted and then when I'd start playing again, I'd be like, I don't remember like where I was, what I was doing, that kind of thing. I'm just going to make a new character and start over. 
And so I would start over and, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd get to about the same spot before something shiny distracted me again. Uh, so being able to take it with me, like, I, I think that that would definitely help. So I would probably buy at least one, maybe two of these games again. I would, I would definitely buy Baldur's Gate 1. And if I finished it, then I would buy Baldur's Gate 2. But I would also probably... I would also buy Neverwinter Nights and Icewind Dale. Um, the one thing that, that I was curious about is I don't know if they said Icewind Dale 2 in that list. That would be that would be weird. Don't, yeah, I don't see Icewind Dale 2 in the list. I only see Icewind Dale 1. And I've heard that Icewind Dale 2 is fantastic, although I've never played it myself. Tunnel Runner from CBS Electronics, where the excitement never ends. I'm not trapped. I'm not trapped. Mr. Hideki Itsuno, uh, who is in charge of the Devil May Cry series, was being interviewed, and somebody asked if he thought it would be a good idea for Dante, uh, the main character in Devil May Cry, to join the cast of 76 other characters in Smash... Well, 77 by the time Joker comes out, uh, of characters in Smash Brothers Ultimate. And he had an interesting... Uh, reply. He said, and this is via videogames247.com. Uh, he said, if you think about it, I'm pretty sure that they, all the characters in Smash at least, have been in some game on a Nintendo platform, right? Like, that's what he said. Uh, however, you know, Final Fantasy VII has never been on a Nintendo platform, although it's going to be soon. Um, he then said that, you know, Cloud at least represents a series that is rich in Nintendo history, like Final Fantasy VII and and Nintendo kind of go hand in hand for, for the early years. Uh, then he said, well, that's the thing. Devil May Cry has never been on a Nintendo platform, so it seems like the first thing to do would be to get Capcom to put Devil May Cry on a Nintendo platform in some way, shape, or form whatever game that might be. And then he pointed at uh, Capcom's UK representative, and he said, tell her, uh, instead of asking him about it, which I thought, I thought that's kind of a funny, funny way to do it. But I don't think that, first off, actually, well, yeah, let's, let's start here. You don't have to uh, tell anybody to put something on the Switch, okay? You don't have to ask for certain characters to be in Smash because Mr. Sakurai has specifically said that the roster for the Fighters Pass is already complete. Like, Nintendo has already selected the characters that they wanted in Smash. They brought it to Mr. Sakurai, and he said, yes, I can make that work in Smash, or no, I can't. And so then they whittled it down to those five characters that we're waiting to hear about. Well, four, because we already know about Joker. So the idea that people think that they can still influence what's going on with Smash Ultimate, I wish that people would just let that go. You're not going to influence. That is, of course, with, you know, with as, as popular as, as Smash has been, it would make a lot of sense for Nintendo to do a Fighters Pass 2. You know, bring five more fighters in 2020. Uh, because 2019, we're expecting to get our five fighters. And then in 2020, 
are they just going to stop? I mean, if the game is doing really well, don't you think that they would continue to make characters for it? I would think so, especially because Mr. Uh, Furukawa has specifically said that he wants to see more DLC in Nintendo's big um, uh, big franchises. And you don't get bigger than um, Smash Brothers. So maybe, maybe if you convince Capcom to bring Devil May Cry, then perhaps Dante could be in Smash Fighters, whatever, two, or maybe even the first one. Who knows? Um, but I, I can't stand, I can't stand it when developers do this when they say things like, "Hey, if you want us to do this, then buy our other game." Like, that kind of bothers me. I don't really feel like that's what he was doing. Like, I don't feel like that's what he meant. But that's what it made me think of. When, like, uh, I can't think of the the company who specifically did it, but they had just brought a game out on Switch, and people were asking about some other game that they had made. They, they were asking, is that coming to the Switch? This is very early in the Switch's lifespan. Uh, and... Their response was, well, if you want us to bring more games to the Switch, buy the games that we already put on the Switch. It feels like an ultimatum, and it's like you're asking people to buy a game that they don't want in order to get a game that they do want. I don't like that. So, you know, I, I again, I don't think that Mr. Um, I forgot his last name, Mr. Itsuno really meant that. It's just something that kind of ticked over in my mind as, as I read what he was saying. Uh, but, you know, do you guys think that we will get a Fighter's Pass 2 on the Nintendo Switch? Like, that is, that's interesting to me. It's obviously way too early to be talking about it. The attach rate for Fighter's Pass 1 is really, really high. A lot of people ended up going uh, with the Fighter's Pass. But I wonder if Nintendo, like... In 2020, if they're going to continue, I, I I do know that Mr. Sakurai kind of he like every time he puts something out, he's like, okay, I'm done with Smash. I want to go do something else, and then Nintendo just pulls him right back in again. So who knows what's going to happen? I certainly don't. Uh, but I'm curious as to what you guys think is the probability of getting um, a Smash Fighters Pack two after the fact. <laughs> And it is time for the lightning round where I talk less and tell more. Uh, we're going to hit three quick stories before we get out of here. Number one is very interesting. This comes via Nintendo Soup. But apparently, uh, if you didn't know, Hollow Knight was originally supposed to come out as a physical copy as well as the digital copy. And then the physical copy was uh, canceled. And there was a lot of people who were upset about that, but it looks like it might be happening again. Um, it said games uh, games that are released digitally only do not require an ESRB rating. The ESRB is the Electronics uh, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board or Electronic Software Ratings Board. I can't remember what the E part stands for, uh, but the ESRB. Uh, they're the ones who de determine if something is E for everyone or M for mature, that kind of thing. And games that are on shelves 100% have to be um, rated by the ESRB. But 
games that are sold only digitally do not have to be rated by the ESRB. And the ESRB has just uh, released a rating for Hollow Knight uh, for E10+. This leads a lot of people to believe that the... um, that the game is probably going to be released in physical form. Now, we don't know who's going to be releasing it. Um, You know, there's a bunch of different uh, companies that are releasing physical versions of games that are traditionally digital. And, like, um, I can't remember who made my copy. I can't remember who made my copy of Night Trap. Um Limited Run Games. So Limited Run Games is probably the one that I would go with just because I know that they have the most experience with this kind of thing. But it looks like if you have been holding out for that physical copy of Hollow Knight, it looks like you may actually uh, get your wish or have your wish come true. Um, Real quick, Tangled Deep, which I have not played yet. I requested a, um, a review copy and I have not heard back yet, but... Uh, the developer of that game recently revealed, uh, this comes to us from Nintendo Life, that uh, in in a single week on the Nintendo eShop, it exceeded the same amount of copies in the Steam Early Access version sold in six months, which is really, really crazy. Now, what I will say is that the, the eShop is starting to get messy. I mean, if you look at if you look at Steam, Steam is a unnavigatable mess. Uh it is you like it's the definition of needle in a haystack trying to find something on there. It's a real mess. The eShop is starting to get that way. Uh the eShop has as of the uh total games sold uh, for uh, Nintendo Switch total games that exist on the Nintendo Switch, if you combine all regions, that uh, reaches 1,868. 1,868 games. There's over 1,800 games on the Nintendo Switch, almost 2,000. And it's really hard to find stuff. And usually what I would say about a game outselling its Steam counterpart is that, well, that's not a huge surprise. Steam has this huge, unnavigatable mess, and the, the other uh, platform is relatively, to Steam, uh, uh, easier to navigate and find stuff. But the, the eShop is kind of turning into a disaster, like looking around and, and locating stuff. and it, Unless you know the name of the game that you're looking for, it's going to be hard to locate. So I feel like this um, this revelation from the developer of Tangle Tangle Deep, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's something that you know we we should be happy about. That in one week they outsold six months on Steam, and you know Steam prob- Steam is this huge behemoth. It's on many 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 computers. There's a lot fewer Nintendo Switches out there, but it outsold it. In one week, that's pretty impressive. And I lied. I said that there were three stories, but that was I kind of included the 1800 uh, in the Tangle Deep story. So that's it for the lightning round. 
That's everything for this episode of Nintendo Switchcraft. Uh, if you haven't yet, join the Nerd Nest. Become a part of the community. Head on over to our community Discord at runjumpstomp.com slash Discord. If you haven't already, make sure you follow me on Twitch. You can you can um, watch the show live over there, twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. If you want to get a hold of me, of course, the Discord is one way. You can also email me, runjumpstomp at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at runjumpstomp. If you're looking for ways to support the show, there's a whole lot of ways to support the show. You can find those over at runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. If you don't like listening to the ads as part of the program, it's super easy. For $1 a month, join join the Patreon for $1 a month. Get all of the episodes ad-free. Uh, don't forget, I've got another podcast called Run Jump Stomp. You get to call into that show and give me your thoughts on video games. Not, not, not just Nintendo, every aspect of video games. That show comes out on Fridays. Just had a brand new episode came out yesterday. You can find that over at anchor.fm slash runjumpstomp. The music that you heard at the beginning of the show is Balloon Trip Remix by Noteblock. The music that you are hearing right here at the end of the show is Gerudo Valley uh, Acoustic by Tom Winter. Thank you to the live chat for hanging out with me. Thank you to all of the patrons and people who support. And uh, thank you to everyone just for listening. You guys are all amazing. Uh, I'll see you next time. Stay rad. <laughs>